Welcome to In Conversation, everyone. I'm Dave Morris, and with me, as always, is Jason Geary. This is my voice. I am Jason Geary. How are you, Dave? Why. I'm good. I don't know why I chose to do like a like a like an announcer intro with a weird comedy voice. I don't know what came, know what came over me. I love I it. Just like, out of nowhere, I was like possessed to do that voice. Uh, lovely, lovely to be back on the mic with you, Jason. Gary. It is. It is lovely. And uh, today we have a guest uh, who lives here in Melbourne with me. Yeah, with- it's like, yeah, like hardly. I mean, it's hardly a guest it's almost like they've been here the whole time i i know we grew up together we talk about that on the podcast he is delightful his name is rick brown um uh, everyone who's improvised or played with him absolutely loves him the conversation is a treat yeah he's you know what you know what it is about rick brown i'm gonna say this now in What's the that? intro and then people do it throughout the podcast will will be able to judge these words because <laughs> it just came to me you can't not like rick brown yeah. I think that's what it is. It's not that like everybody loves him. It's like it's hard to not like he's you, you can't not love him. Try to hate him. Try yeah. to hate him and you can't. So he's, like or you, you end up loving him and it's like you can't not love Rick Brown. I think that's how I how, how I see him. A living lesson in charm. In fact, Rick runs a workshop called Charm School and he's the only one I know who I would trust to teach in a uh, <laughs> an improvisation course on charm. And the um, fact that that he can teach that and people don't think he's like a horrible creepy. I know, <laughs> I know. He's like, oh, but it's Rick. Oh, I like Rick Brown. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much why everyone signs up to that workshop. They're like, this is the most charming man on the planet. Of course, I'm going to sign up to this workshop if I can learn a fraction of the magic that is uh, Rick Brown's charm. It's going to make me a better person. Yeah. And that's mostly what this podcast is, really. This this conversation is basically Rick just being charming and us trying to ask him questions sometimes. Uh, and, then, and then a little bit about sports at the end and a bit of um, Australian history. Uh, so like, you're going to really it's, enjoy it. It's our true late night wandering podcast. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, well, we're uh, starting to line up our guests for the next couple of weeks. And oh boy, have we got some fantastic peeps mm-hmm. on the way uh, as a little bit of sizzle. So enjoy Rick Brown. And uh, we'll be back again in a week or so. I'm sitting in the back of a van. Chilling with my man Dave Morris. Just do it. All I want to do is sing this chorus. Sitting in the back of a van. Sitting in the back of a van. Chilling with my man Dave Morris. Just do it. All I want to do is sing this chorus. Sitting in the back of a van. Dave Morris. Jason Geary. We've got a guest, and our guest is the one, the only, lifetime friend of mine, inspiration, lover, fighter, improviser, comedian all-around cool guy mr richard brown rick brown ladies and gentlemen rick brown well you've given me my full title there the richard brown uh, as if i'm I'm in trouble from my parents i like it (laughs) dr richard tiberius brown (laughs) (laughs) oh thanks for having me on the uh, on the show i couldn't be more excited it's good to have you here rb I can't believe we take this. It took this long to ask you to That's do. It. I think we were trying not to. Like, don't ask Rick. It's don't too easy. Rick. It's too it's easy. Too it's easy. Too, it's we too gotta, easy. It gets. We got to. <laughs> we got to find different people. But, but you know, we we just we should, we should ask you right away. Yeah, it had to. You had to wait until it had been long enough that people didn't think you were coasting. Like they're not even trying to find guests now. They've just gone and got Rick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, they're just calling their friends. It's like yeah. you now we're calling all of our friends. Yeah. <laughs> not, just, <laughs> not just our closest ones. <laughs> 
Oh, but it's so good to have you here. So good to see you too. So good to see you. I know in this in this interconnected world where we're we're detached yet connected, it's it's nice to see your faces. It's always good to see you, RB. Uh, uh, now, uh, for those who don't know, Rick Brown and I, uh, we go way, 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 way back. Um, uh, a long, long, long time. Historical 20, friendship. 25 yeah. years, I think. Uh, I'm just I mean, throwing that out there. I'm um, taking a guess. I think that's what I'm rounding to. But is it 30 years? I think if you round, the, yeah, it's it's closer to 30, I'd say, at this 30. stage. Yeah. What do you say? 90, 93. So we're almost yeah. there. A couple, couple more years. Yeah. I guess we're in between 25 and 30. So yeah. you're not 100% wrong. You're just a little bit wrong. 50% <laughs> wrong. 50% wrong. Uh, <laughs> which means your friendship is older than some of our listeners, which is. Uh, yeah. 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 You're and- huge in the sort of 12 to 15 age group, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Our podcast goes off. Yeah, Hashtag goes off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> way to speak to the youth. People do it. these weird people. Kids do these TikToks where they like play clips from the podcast and like lip sync to what we're saying. It's a huge, huge demographic for us as TikTok teenagers. Tick teenagers. You're not popular in and of yourself. You're popular as memeable content that the kids are transforming into the art of the masses. Yeah, that's exactly what we aim for. Well, that's what we're all <laughs> hoping this, for at this stage. On this podcast where we get deep into obscure art form like improvisation. <laughs> How is Charlie D'Amelio going to dance to this one? <laughs> we'll put a back beat behind it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you two know each other for... 30 years let's say yeah uh and improvising pretty much that whole time together right? like yeah that was the that pretty was like much the, the, the fuse yeah uh, i went to the same university that rick went to uh a year after he went there so we weren't quite in the same year level but uh our year levels were quite uh, unusually i guess yeah so we were there at the same time yeah uh, yeah it sounded like you turned up there a year after i left after i no, graduated no, 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 that's no. not the case we were there second there. year when i was first year. i was just a year ahead you know yeah. i'm just always that little bit ahead <laughs> and it's and it's, it hasn't stopped that whole time i've just been chasing after the carrot that the dangling carrot that is rick brown <laughs> i've just been i've just been slashing a path with my improv machete <laughs> Showing you how, showing you, showing you where to go. And I've been walking that easy, strolling that easy path. <laughs> I, I'm loving this metaphor. <laughs> I think it's think, thinking of of improv as a jungle and machetes and mm. pads. I think it's beautiful. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, we did. We. We sort of we met up when we were both just I guess at that point of our life where we were we were leaving our you know the the safe confines of of childhood behind um, and launching into the into the big bad world um, and we were both I guess I felt like we had similar uh, just similar outlooks going forward in that we were happy just to be buffeted in on the sea of life um, using yeah. using theater as the only lights to navigate ourselves uh-huh. and um, and we've been doing that ever since. And also, Rick was the first person I ever moved out of home with. Uh, one day we were sitting around at, at university and we went, geez, I, I'm sick of traveling an hour every day to get here. Wouldn't it be nice to get something, a place around here? And Rick happened to be at that table that day. We went, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we met as we were applying for houses. And I think that's that's the best way to meet, really. <laughs> 
Hey, a lot of that that started the beginning of a lot of beautiful friendships. Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes and John Watson mm. met like that. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Three's Company. That's how they met. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not totally sure <laughs> on that reference. Um, the odd couple. The odd couple. That's, uh, that's how they got their start. They just we, created somewhere. Gerard Depardieu and um, uh, Andy McDowell in Green mm. Card. Yeah, yeah. That's. That that's a deep cut there. That one. <laughs> but, but wait, when when Charlie D'Amelio dances to that, it's going to be relevant to the masses. Yeah. You did you did hear us talk about our demographic being twelve to fifteen year old? <laughs> I'm not afraid to educate. I'm not afraid to educate the youth uh, on tepid uh, rom coms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. So you uh, met, moved in together. And started an improv relationship that's lasted to this day, uh, yeah. even though you've both had your other relationships in the meantime. Yeah, family and yeah, family. Uh, and we lived together a lot through uni and even after uni, and then uh, went our separate ways. We'd come back together and live together for a little bit more, and then. But we've always been very close, and it just so happens that the uh, wonderful women that we married are also best friends. <laughs> so, oh my, you so you are a tepid rom com. This whole your whole <laughs> yeah. lives together. It's like we married best friends, we're yeah. best friends. We ended up having, I was his best man, he was my best man. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the fact oh, that there wasn't some sort of amazing. excellent sitcom premise uh, yeah. based on uh, the whole situation, I'm surprised so far. I think it still could happen because right now both our, uh, our uh, second daughters are planning on moving out together. Um, oh, my goodness. As- <laughs> it's a spinoff. It's a spinoff. It's a spin-off. It's a spin-off. <laughs> so we can still we can get a cameo each week. We don't have to do much. We can yeah. just get the cameos. That's what we want. <laughs> that is that is great news yeah, uh, yeah so, uh, it, it makes me uh, it, it's actually quite a wonderful thing to think about that the fact that we've come this far and uh, our daughters are so close that they're like yep we're doing this we're gonna do this um whether it happens or not uh, i don't know hmm. <laughs> your second daughter's just turned into an adult mine's got a couple of years to go yet oh she's in no rush though my daughter she'll wait she'll she'll hold back <laughs> I'm just going to be out of here ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> if but we are. I feel COVID, like she'd be gone. She'd already be gone. <laughs> she turned 16 in six weeks, and she'd be out the door. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like we are a good ad- advertisement for um for happenstance, for random happenstance, uh, mm. and the longevity that can be found therein. Uh, and I guess that makes sense that we are sort of anchored in improv as well, because improv is all about the random happenstance and the and the the meat that can be. That can be cleft from the bones of such a situation. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, that uh, that uh, yeah that that um, happy accidents that lead to yeah. beautiful beautiful stories, and that's mm. what you two are. You're ha- you're a series of happy accidents that led to a beautiful beautiful <laughs> friendship. Yeah, happy uh, accidents. I hope happy. happy yeah, yeah. Happy question mark. Couple on everyone. <laughs> The thing about uh, Rick is, and uh, I mean, we don't we don't actually talk about improv a lot because we just do it a, a, a lot. We um, used to so back in the day. Back in the day, we we, we chop it up. Um, but uh, the thing about Rick is, uh, uh, he's for me always been like just literally like the high bar, and it's been so great to be able to stand at his side and benefit from his enthusiasm, his presence, and even just trying to match it has made me. 
a better improviser, you know. It's like one of those, uh, It's for me, it's always just been an absolute joy to kind of stand and be a part of, of, of that journey. And um, I, I don't know anyone around, yeah, particularly in the Australian scene here, who isn't in love with Rick as an improviser. Um, oh. he's, he's just, you know, charm. He's charm personified on, on the stage, fast, lightning fast, witty, um, you know, just he's just the best. He's just the best. I I'm always just, I'm always just legitimately happy to be there. Yeah, <laughs> that's my secret. <laughs> my secret is I love improv. That's, <laughs> that's what keeps me doing yeah. it. I don't know. <laughs> Life hack, everyone. Love what you do. Yeah, love, love what you what do. I love what you said though, Jason. That's totally your your relationship is like a Gimli Legolas relationship. If you don't mind a deep cut here, everyone, to, to a reference the that kids, you might not get. The kids love them hobbits. Keep going. I don't know if they do, but Gimli and Legolas, who would challenge you, like like the other one yeah. killing the orcs, they'd be like, "I could kill more orcs than you," and they would fight <laughs> to kill orcs. But they were always working on the same side towards yeah. the same goal and and saving each other and t- taking care of each other. All but the kids kind of. The kids love that episode of uh, Lord of the Rings where Gimli has to marry Legolas to get a green card. They love that episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lord of the Rings. Uh, Dancing with the Rings. (laughs) There's something there. There's something there. I'll I'll come back to it. I'll come back. back We'll edit it in. We'll cut in the joke when I find it. Hey, yes. Yeah, so, how does this podcast work, guys? Do you do you edit the good bits? Is this is all of the the scar tissue of this uh, podcast going to make it to be viewed by the adoring twelve to fifteen year old demographic that so have so yeah. embraced you, or do you Much. just you just yeah. cut together we, the, the hits? Like to answer your question, this will be in there. You asking that will be in the podcast. <laughs> this is, uh, uh, and the only time we really edit is when we kind of lose track of something. I go, did we ask this thing already, or or yeah. something? But but otherwise, it's pretty much uh, all in. So. Or when someone goes on one of their uh, unexpected uh, racist rants oh, that, yeah. that you uh, just had, came out of nowhere, and you're like, you've had you better at cut least that. one of those every episode. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be uh, and you'd be surprised which guests. I'll send you the when if they ever run for president. It may only help their cause. To be fair, at this stage, no weird. Isn't that weird that I just said run for president, even though mm-hmm. we all of us live in countries where there's prime ministers. But still, yeah. I said president because that was like the the reference point that I think our you just people would understand. Always trying to pander to your you know more powerful I neighbors. I don't even. I wasn't even trying to pander. I feel like I just like like media. So like like the TV's just hooked into my brain so that mm. you say run for president, even mm-hmm. though. No one, no one on our podcast is going. Oh well, a couple of them might run for president, I guess. Because you could run for. There's still like, like class presidents and stuff here. Yeah. It, it, and it, Joe Bill, Joe Bill might run for president yeah. one day. Not yeah. that he was on, on a rant. But also, when the 12 to 15 year olds are, uh, are able to run for president, uh, all of our countries might have presidential races by then. We might have changed our electoral system. Yeah, so there's still a chance. That's why I was making the joke. It's future proofing. <laughs> I was future proofing that joke. <laughs> We don't want to make assumptions about how our democratic systems are going to be running in the future. That's all we're saying. We're open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're open to political change. Uh, back to back to what we're talking about, Legolas and Gimli. <laughs> um, which of you is Legolas? <laughs> well, I'm quite obviously Gimli. I'll go down, I'll go down that path. I mean, yeah. I've been growing my, long, hair. Been growing my long hair, hair long. Yeah, trying to get the... Is- it only needs is a bit of bleach, and we're we're basically there. <laughs> yeah, and I'd love to say that, like, hey guys, and I'm Frodo, right? I'm like the Hobbit, but 
I think I'm probably more like Gloin, who's one of the dwarves <laughs> from the Hobbit movie. Yeah. One of the stupid dwarves that didn't know what he was doing on the adventure. Like all the dwarves in that, they have no idea what they're doing in the Hobbit. They're all useless. <laughs> I really dwarves. overestimated our ability to tell dwarves apart. Um, no matter how hard they tried to give them signature hairstyles and quirky Beads. mannerisms, yeah, it just yeah. didn't work. Mm-mm. An hour in, I'd, I'm like, I'm out. There's another I, I, one of the here's the another one of the comic relief tours. I, <laughs> I haven't made it through the Hobbit movies. I have to admit, someone made a supercut of all three of them turned into one movie. Highly okay. recommend okay. that one. You can get through. Uh, anyway, sorry, we're we're getting off topic. Here. <laughs> Not that there is a topic, uh, but but so what is it that that got you? So before you met Jason, I want to go back to like you know thirty thirty years ago <laughs> till the dawn of time. You went to university for theater, yeah. And was it theater you were pursuing and acting as a career life choice, or was it just like something to do, or was that like? Or was improv actually like in your mind at that point, or was it still like uh, like I mean, thirty years ago, improv was very, you know, it was only yeah, in the crack only in the cracks. It was definitely just more theater that I was interested in when I went to to university. Um, I probably wasn't thinking as far ahead as careers or anything like that. I was just like, what am I? What am I passionate about? What am I interested in? And theater was the only thing that ticked any boxes in terms of uh, when I was applying for universities. So I pursued that and was lucky enough to get into into the course. Um, and, and also equally lucky that improvisation was a part of that course, uh, that sort of filled out, um, a bit of the semester's work, you know, when you're kicking off and they, they had a little bit of a university, uh, theater sports competition running, uh, up and running at that stage as well, which helped mm-hmm. just keep it ticking along just that, that, that improv was fun and I enjoyed it. Cool. And what sort use- of. What you will discover in the course of this podcast as well um, is that when I'm just cracking wise and talking off the cuff uh, about nothing and making absurd metaphors, I can string words together very well. But when I actually start to talk about something personal or uh, that's true about me, I start to stumble quite badly on my words and you'll get a lot more ums and ahs and um, backtracking and, and failed sentences that trail off into nothing. It's almost he, it, as if he uses humor as a shield to to mm, not expose the raw say. personal mm. under underbelly of Rick Brown. I was Brown. about to say, when you're not wearing this armor, mm. who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so listen out for that throughout the podcast, 12 to 15-year-old uh, demographic. You'll be able to tell when I'm revealing something true about myself and Hashtag. when I'm just glibly skating over, skating over the surface. Hashtag Rick Reveals. That was it. You said glibly skating over the surface. That was one of those funny metaphors you were talking about. Uh-huh. And it rolls off the tongue so easy. I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to stop. Yeah. I don't pause. No ums, no ahs, unless I specifically want to say um and ah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so you you went for theater, did theater. You still do theater, right? Like you do you do real acting as well as improvised acting. Real acting. Um, who, who Who's this guy? Uh, uh, <laughs> scripted acting as well mm. as improvised acting. <laughs> I would say yes. The I did a balance, I guess. When you're when you're doing at university, we did a, a mix of all of that, and I was definitely pursuing scripted theatre as well as improvised theatre, because improvised theatre, as you uh, sort of touched on a little bit, was there wasn't much of a scene in in Melbourne when we were sort of coming through. There was theatre sports occasionally, and that was about it. Mm. Um, and 
so I was always trying to get involved in scripted theatre, but as improvisation took off more in Melbourne and we got more involved in it um, and it became more of a viable career option, it, it started to take over much more heavily. And so I would say 90% of what I do now is, is improvised theatre with occasional weird scripted gigs that come along unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let me continue asking. <laughs> <laughs> I had more, but I was leaving a break in case Jason wanted. No, to no, no. I, I, I could see you, you had a follow-up, so I was, <laughs> I was letting you go. <laughs> and what, what, um, what, what keeps you? So, so when, when you was it just the rise in like the success and the like employment opportunities like was it just the money that made you go into improv or was there like a something something about it that kept you drawn to it like for myself i i liked theater i did theater same the same as everybody started there and then found improv and i was like this is so much better Mm. and so much more like wonderful and then anytime i do theater now i'll do it sometimes well i mean sometimes like very Mm very sometimes and every time i do it i'm like all right this is gonna be good and then by the end i'm like oh this is why i don't do this, <laughs> I just can't this. it's just not fun in the end <laughs> but what, uh, so what is it about improv that keeps you in it yeah it was always the the performing i it was it was the art form that suited me the best i always had the best time while I, when i was on stage improvising than when i was doing scripted theater um we we suited each other very well me and improvisation and the opportunity because it started out as kind of like a side hustle, I guess, or a side, it wasn't the main, it wasn't the main pursuit, Um, but I always loved it more than the other side of the other side of performing. And so, yeah, it was more, it wasn't the money that kept me doing it. I mean, no, no one's in improv for the money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was more that I didn't. I didn't have to. The more I could keep focusing on it, legitimately meant that I I was able to. I guess as opposed mm. to a lot of people, I guess fall away because it's it is a side project or it is a it's not the main thing that they're doing. It's something they do uh, on the side. So it's harder to to keep to keep at it. I guess and to devote um, all the training and the and the experience that you need to to improve continually. But whereas, yeah, if you're getting a little bit of sweet coin on the side, uh, that certainly helps. That certainly helps you legitimize the art form in your own mind. And when people like your parents are like, "What are you doing with yourself these days?" You can, um, oh, you know, doing improv still. Yeah, yeah I, got, I made some money last week. It was great. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, Rick and I spent a lot of time uh, as younger improvisers touring around uh, country Victoria. Uh, doing impro shows for you know in tiny towns and 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 stuff like that kind of on the road doing doing that sort of stuff as a part of a of the young company that was impro Melbourne then and and since then we've kind of as we've grown we've got into a lot more of a corporate thing we've got our own company um, and uh, and we've taken that kind of improv education up into that the corporate level as well. Uh, um, so yeah, those are the things, those are kind of the improv side hustles that, that kind of keep you connected to the work and a bit of income, uh, from it as well, which is really nice. Um, but but yeah, improvising always felt natural. I think to me, it always felt like a happy place when I was on stage improvising, it never felt hard. 
uh, never felt like hard work. It never felt um, it never felt bad, even even when it was failing horribly. It always felt like the right place to be, and that I was doing the right thing while I was on stage. I always I always find that I look forward to chances to improvise, and I always knew, um, yeah, that every opportunity that I got to improvise, I wanted to take. Uh, so I, and so I figured that must be a good thing. <laughs> I, I'm think that's normally a good sign if you're looking forward to heading out and doing the thing that you're getting paid to do or the, the thing that you've been asked to do. Uh, keep doing that. Find more excuses to do that thing. So I did. Yeah. And, and Rick and Rick and I's relationship has always been based in this kind of sense of play as well. Like we'd often just sit kind of riffing as well, like in when we had no money eating two-minute noodles as students and, and that kind of stuff. So to be able to transfer that dynamic to a stage or um and and you know have that it was it was rather effortless and and i'm sure that um there are people who improvise with people regularly where that shift is effortless as well where you kind of have that that relationship and that sense of play and the innate sense of trust that that develops uh over time and moving that to the stage it really takes a lot of the kind of anchor work out if you're working with newer people you're trying to find that rhythm and that that kind of syncopation and, and how you work together but to have that f- for the two of us as well for so long it's always easy to step out on stage and go slap there it is you know <laughs> it's just we know it's going to be there um we've just got to kind of work into that groove again it's a it's a wonderful thing and our yeah. um world famous format slap was uh slap. it was huge we just Slap, there it is. Slap, um, there it is. The, the audience would go crazy for slap, there it is. People people don't think you're joking. They think you really have a format named slap. Just so you know. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm already, no, I'm I, already I, trying to figure out how it would work, <laughs> to be fair. Slap, there it is. The start of the show. I would run out and slap you. And then yeah. you'd start stammering and stammering and saying, um, because you're suddenly getting personal about yeah. something. And then I'd slap you back. In <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing edits, we just slap each other really hard. Yeah. Sounds like a, scene. That sounds like an old friend. Yeah. <laughs> the show ends when one of us passes out. That's it. And one of us can't take yeah. it anymore. People say, Jason, where you got red cheeks? I'm like, well, we've been rehearsing yeah. slap. <laughs> Uh, I, lo- I love it. I love uh, so I I don't love I don't love slap as a format. That's not what I was saying. I love. It. I you better get on board. It's, it's I the, love. It's the, the future of improv. <laughs> I love the the that 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 like the the history and friendship kind of coming on stage when you're performing. Like I perform with my wife. My wife and I do a show together. Yes, which mm. you've both seen. Um, and it's like you know we've been married for. Years now, and, <laughs> but we've been together for like thirteen years, so it's like a long time to have a relationship that's romantic and spending and living together and, and having a child. And you know, you know, you guys are both yeah. fathers and husbands. Uh, but like getting on stage with my wife, it's like we have lots of things that we can bring out on stage <laughs> when we're in a scene that maybe only the other person knows that is what it is, and we're bringing it to the stage and that is such a beautiful sort of uh uh your your suddenly your tool chest is like way way fuller of tools because yeah. now it's like i can bring up this small subtle reference to a trip we went on with her parents and she'll know what that reference is and that'll give like this huge offer uh and having that like 30-year friendship where you can like bring up this joke that you made in like darwin sometime in some <laughs> shitty bar that the other person's like i remember that show and it comes back and like 
Uh, Darwin's not anywhere near Victoria. You guys didn't go to Darwin to do it. Have show, we been you? to Darwin together? Did we? I, no, I I, no, I've been to Darwin once, but I don't think I've been with you. Yeah, I, I've been up there a couple of times for gigs, but uh, they were like troop gigs, but I, I'm not, I wasn't sure if you were there or not. Wow, um, I was just I was just guessing like Darwin, but probably not. It's like, isn't that like the north like way? It's up the north? northernmost uh, city, like capital city in in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And, and tour in there. And the Darwin. first time I flew into Darwin, I couldn't believe how small it was. Like you flew yeah. by the the city, and I was like, wow, that is smaller than some towns in in country Victoria. <laughs> like it's not a big place. <laughs> yeah, they um they are tenuously clinging to the term city. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. They must have had some sort of change in the bylaws to allow them <laughs> to call themselves a city. Uh, I think they, they also, they're a capital, right? So they get that just like default capital city. Yeah. 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 And so Are there any capital to towns? Anywhere. Surely they could just call themselves a capital town. We're a capital town. <laughs> Welcome to Darwin, the capital village. <laughs> Sorry, but it sounds was, good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the accent that was. No, that's how they sound in Darwin. They're That's very true. drunk. <laughs> like kind of like drunk prospectors. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said for capital towns and capital villages. I think yeah. capital cities have hogged the limelight for too long. Mm-hmm. And Darwin yeah. could definitely pioneer a capital village if mm-hmm. it wanted to. Mm-hmm. It's got a bespoke uh, feel, an artisan feel. <laughs> Welcome to Capital Village. <laughs> This is our this is our our mayor ish. <laughs> oh, g'day! Here's a beer. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> You've nailed local Darwin traditions. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm gonna yeah. try and drop. I'm just, I was about to drop some uh, uh, more Australian stuff that I know. Then I was like, oh, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a correct reference. <laughs> But Just I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Let's pretend we're doing those Darwin jokes again. And I say, like, uh, um, right over here, that's where uh, that's where Ned Kelly did his last stand. Uh, here's, we got a statue to him. But he didn't. That wasn't in Darwin, was it? No, that was <laughs> it. That was where we live in Victoria. Was that and, in Victoria? And oh, there is a statue see? to him. Yeah. <laughs> like a giant of course one. <laughs> of course there is. Ned, for those who don't know, however, Kelly is like the Australian Billy the Kid. Yeah, he's yeah. He's like an mm. outlaw. But he built armor. Yeah, that that's how he like stood and like spot in like uh, armor that he made. This is not a joke. Yeah, and he stood up to the law. I think the law won though, right? They got yeah, him. they the got him. Won. Yeah, but they uh, however you bring up Ned Kelly, Northern Territory, I'd wager have the most Ned Kelly tattoos in Australia, mm-hmm. not statues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, they don't have their own Ned Kelly, but they've definitely taken on the whole culture of Ned Kelly, yeah. the um, the 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 ethos, the mythology, the spirit. Yeah, the spirit of Ned Kelly it thrives in the Northern they, Territory in a way that Victoria probably hasn't embraced. No, do they do they cosplay Ned Kelly up there? <laughs> if do not, they sh- it's probably a little hot. They probably <laughs> yeah, it's a little hot up there. They probably have a summer Ooh. version of Ned Kelly's armor. Just. <laughs> Made out, <laughs> made out of tissue paper. It's just like yeah. encourages airflow of, a little more, you know. Made but, out of frozen tea towels. It's also <laughs> one of those places that's so hot uh, uh, up there, but you can't swim at the beach because crocodiles. Hmm. <laughs> like, there's just so much wildlife up there. Yes, water water sources are there to lure you to your death. Yeah, uh, but you want them so bad because you're so hot. I don't know how anyone has survived in that's the northern why, territory. That's why it's never become a city. <laughs> it's just a town. It's a village. Yeah, they've actually had enough births 
to be a city. Like yeah. the birth rate is huge. Yeah, but, but the the death rate is also yeah. Yeah. huge. So it doesn't ever grow. But yeah. even though they're having babies, like oh man. <laughs> but hi, to hello to an olden ter- territory listener. Uh, it's good to it's good to see you. They they're not listening. They're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's too hot. None of them are. <laughs> Their AirPods got eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> AirPods, they're not listening to this. <laughs> I can. I, I'm just. I'm just going to open up the thing. I can actually tell if they're listening. If anyone's listened to the postcard in the Northern real territory. life stats. Yeah. As it happens, I. I'm gonna. I bet. I will bet a hundred dollars that no one from the Northern territory Australian dollars or Canadian dollars. Yes, that's a big difference. American dollars. Wow. <laughs> the president's dollars. <laughs> yeah. If, well, don't bet money, bet tattoos. If you lose, you've got to get a Ned Kelly Thank tattoo. You. <laughs> you mean another one? <laughs> <laughs> I fought the law. The law one. Um, yeah. uh, uh, so uh, before we get lost in Australianisms, <laughs> we should bring, bring it back to improv. Uh, but look, if you do want to, if you do want to learn more about Ned Kelly, I, I have written some uh, really accurate historically accurate hip-hop songs about ned kelly that you can just whack on the end of yeah. the podcast if you want to learn a have little more really? about ned kelly oh yeah look have i'm halfway really? through my my ned kelly hip-hop musical um you know just trying to get my lin-manuel miranda fix uh, that phase of my life the, out of the way you know i am the any d-k-e-l-l-y <laughs> yeah. yeah when i say i wrote it i just changed the words to hamilton to, to fit ned kelly well, sure you got me Rick has I'm not another. Thrown away my armor. <laughs> thrown away my armor. Yeah. Rick I has know. a podcast uh, called Yonks Ago, uh, where you did an entire series on Ned Kelly, didn't you? Yep. Season one, we did yep. Ned Kelly. Um, me and my daughter d- deep dive into the lives of historical figures that we don't know much about. Uh, and season one was Ned Kelly. Uh, so where if you we are interested, go for it. It's a great yep. listen. Wow. I'm going to listen to it because I listened to one or two episodes of that over this pandemic because this is how bored I got during the pandemic. <laughs> you must have, wow. <laughs> you listen to my podcast. Uh, well, no, because it was during, it was during your, you and your daughters, like making the greatest things on the internet with you, where, where you were doing those TikTok dances together. And it yep. would warm my heart oh. to see like a father and daughter in like enjoying each other's company, <laughs> and, like working together. And it was just so fun watching you dance in the background. It was just so lovely. Uh, so I watched those, those TikTok videos. And then it was like something about, we have a podcast. I was like, what? So I checked it out <laughs> a couple of episodes, but I didn't listen. I didn't go all the way. I didn't like scroll back to the beginning. And to listen. the Ned Kelly years. Oh, no, you missed now, out. Now I'm yeah. going to, because I, yeah. I love, I feel like if this me coming on this podcast has done anything, it should be to get you interested in Ned Kelly. If nothing else, you mean how many states are interested? there? <laughs> how many states are there in Australia? States and territories. Well, I'm going to say you, is seven. This a quiz? Is this a quiz? There are seven. Yeah. One, two. If, three, wait, does that include the capital? Yeah, we're, we're including territories. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we we have uh, listeners in six of the seven. What are we missing? What are we missing? Northern Territory. And when I say we, I mean Darwin. you guys. No, Darwin. <laughs> no, yeah. I went, we I have Victoria, Queensland, Western Australia, New South Wales, Tasmania, Australian Capital Territory where Canberra is, but no Northern Territory listeners at all. <laughs> I knew it. I told it's you. It's because you haven't been churning out the Ned Kelly content like you should. I don't know why I'm acting surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you literally just made a hundred US dollars. You were so confident. Yeah. Yeah. Now it may not be so true as with Canadian provinces in that we may have someone from every Canadian province. Rick Brown. 
your podcast because we're, we're, it's on the same service here. So I've looked it up. Yep. Your podcast has 0.03% of its listeners in the Northern Territory. That's that Ned Kelly content. I'm telling you, see, you're going to see a little bump you know after means. this episode comes out and you and you tag Ned Kelly as part of the content. You're going to yeah. see a little spike. Now, you know what that means? That means that there is one high school teacher <laughs> in Darwin, the village of Darwin, assigning your podcast to every student that comes to the school. Every single student that hits the ninth grade has to listen to it. And that accounts for 0.03%. <laughs> There's a few people there, but that's like, you know, that's every that's student. I hope it does end up on some sort of curriculum somewhere because our blend of uh, fact and absolute lies is <laughs> staggering. So um, what students will take away from it, I, I'm eager to see. <laughs> so I want to ask you about um, Stuck in the Middle. Yes. Which is a, a format that I, I I don't know if you pioneered this format or not. Oh, I uh, did. Yeah, he did. did you, was that yeah. your format? Yeah. Because we, when we first met, you made me, you stuck me in the middle for a version of that. And I, I did. And it I was a toss-up. I never, never under, got a workshop in what it was, <laughs> the format. I only was experienced it from the person thrown into the middle. Uh, can you tell your, our listeners a little bit about the format stuck in the middle? Because I love it. And I've even taught it uh, in a class. Mm-hmm. Like uh, just my, to my master class, we explore different formats. And so I've taught it, but my version of it, which is probably not sure. really what you teach them. But but t- tell mm-hmm. us what's stuck in the middle. Oh, look, it's a, it's a fun format. It's no slap. There it is, but it's, it is fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, it is. It is. It is a slap there. <laughs> Wait, no, it's better. It's better. <laughs> um, so essentially the, the conceit of the format is that one improviser gets stuck uh, on stage for the whole show and uh, the rest of the cast normally, you know, five or five or six other improvisers, uh, their job is to create scenes with that one uh, improviser uh, throughout the throughout the show, uh, and just keep them keep them working. Basically, st- stretch their range of characters and and stories, and um, put them in as many different situations as you can to uh, get them to reveal the awesome range of the, of their improv their improv uh, abilities. Uh, so it's 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 always good fun, and and the audience sees an improviser, um, I guess, seemingly work really hard and have to do a whole a range of different things throughout the course of the show. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, so there's two different things going on, I guess, during the show. There's the person who's stuck in the middle having to go along with anything that starts around them. And then the the improvisers who are creating for that person um, are working to yeah create, a, create that show, I guess, or, or to keep that person on their toes and to keep that person inspired and to keep the, um, the audience engaged with the... Um, with the flow of the show. So yeah, there's a lot going on and it's, 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 it is a different show for the person in the middle and for the pe- people who are uh, supporting that person. Yeah. I always found as the person in the middle, you, you're kind of exhausted, but it flies by like you're on your toes and you're just kind of there and super present. Um, and the only thing you're really wanting is a bit of a drink at some point. And I think Ricky kind of mandate in a couple of scenes where you've got to offer people a drink, offer the person a drink on stage. Um, uh, but I, re- that- I remembered that part when I taught it. To <laughs> At some point in the middle, someone's got to bring water on stage so they can drink. Yeah. Uh, but the, the really, really surprisingly, uh, I thought when I, I approached this as an improviser, that it would the hardest thing would be the being the person in the middle, but the 
The really hard thing is being the people on the outside because you've got to bring in a range of things and you can return to scenes and you can play out stories. So it doesn't have to be new every single time, but there's, you know, there's, there's times where we're peppering really fast. So you're trying to come up with something different to what's already come before. You're trying to change the energy. You're trying to make the offers really clear. So it's, there are times where you're just kind of standing backstage, staring at the floor going, just what next? Like where, where, where do you dredge the ideas up from? And that's, that was the really surprisingly challenging part of that format for me was being a part of the larger team surrounding that, like just trying to go, all right, well, this has kind of been done. We've had that energy. Do I bring a genre in? What, what do I make the offer to make it different to what's already been there? Um, and so that, 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 that's where the real challenge lied for me mm. when, I, when I played that format. Yeah, and it, it sprung out of um, the sort of improv that I was interested in um, at the time and still am to a large large extent, the sort of free-flowing tran- transitional improv uh, where lots of, lots of different stories play out and it's sort of the improvisers are free to chop and change um, between different narratives and we see a, a range of stuff happen. And I, I've always liked just, tra- you know, um, different types of transitions in in scenes but i sort of this format came out of um wanting to provide i guess uh, one certainty i guess um because sometimes transition shows um and free-flowing narrative shows can get a little wishy-washy at times because there's there's no anchor i guess it's all um you can end up with yeah, some stuff that that misses because of the uncertainty of how we're transitioning and what we're going to transition to and who's who's leaving the stage and who's coming on stage. Um, a mermaid might just jump up on stage and now you're in a mermaid scene and you're yeah. like, what? Um, just- so you've seen my other format, mermaid on stage. <laughs> mermaid, yeah, mermaid on stage. That's my that's my format. I have nightmares about it. I have nightmares about it. Uh, but so so yeah. So keep it because it, it it's true when in those like freeform shows, especially I find at festivals when it's people that don't really work together very often getting kind of thrown on stage. And it's like, yeah, it's just sort of like a collage type, you know, whatever it goes, mm. goes. Uh, and then it very easily gets like mishmashy kind of. Um, yeah. Huzaba. And so I thought it'd be nice to have a sort of a one certainty, like this person will be in every, like the scene will start with this person being a focal point of the scene. And so we all know that we're starting the scene with this person. So that sort of creates a certainty around that. And the person on stage knows that they never have to leave. Like then they're never getting tapped out of the scene. They're never um, leaving. So they, they know what their role is just always, you know, to go with everything that's thrown their way and to accept and over accept and to, to make bold choices um, with the offers that are thrown at them. Um, and so there's a level of certainty within the, within the uncertainty, I guess, um, to sort of anchor the, anchor the chaos. Um, and when we started playing with that format, we did learn that the being on the outside supporting that person was yeah, a really excellent training tool in terms of learning how to keep people inspired how to um, manage the flow of a show because you're just obviously you get used to um, knowing when a show needs um, narratives to come back. You know, we've seen a lot of standalone scenes. How about we start seeing some narratives develop? Um, and so, yeah, just knowing when an audience, what an audience needs from a show, you can sort of focus a bit more on that when you're focusing on one, one person's needs and the audience's needs as opposed to um, yeah, sort of the more ethereal things that we sometimes get caught up in. Mm-hmm. Now you've created a whole bunch of different. Oh, Dave, you had a direct follow up for that. 
I did have to watch. Uh, so is part of the instruction you give the people mm-hmm. that, are, that are not stuck in the middle mm-hmm. to please the person in the middle or or to challenge the person in the middle or a little bit of both? Oh, yeah. A bit of, obviously, you don't want to just, uh, you know, we know this. You know, you know what people's strengths and weaknesses are, or if you know what people's strengths and weaknesses are, you want you want to sort of play around with a, a bit of both. You want to, you don't want to just keep shoveling um, people the, the the food they love. You, you want to keep them. You know, you might not like Vegemite, but maybe you will if I keep feeding it to you. Eventually, you'll be like, <laughs> I like Vegemite. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's to inspire the person with their strengths and weaknesses, but you know, you're never trying to trip them up. You're trying to keep them inspired and, and, um, and delighted, but also, um, yeah, push them in different directions and, and, mm-hmm. um, and give them, give them new toys to play with, I guess, throughout the course of the night. Um, so, that, cause it can, cause when you are stuck in the middle, as, as you know, Dave, you, it is a bit of a whirlwind and you have to keep reminding yourself, I guess, to, to make bold choices. Can you, cause you can get, I guess, resort to just reacting to everything in a, in a similar way mm. if if you're not if you're not on your toes and not thinking about it mm-hmm. yeah cool go ahead jess uh, i was just gonna say abby you've um made a bunch of a bunch of different formats over over the years now um and i, I just wanted to ask you like when you're setting out to to do a format, um, how how do you keep it clear and simple for yourself mm. and then for the the cast as well mm. Um, look, I, everything I do artistically, um, in terms of, uh, I'm, I'm a very slow mover. I, I'm, I'm almost glacial in terms of my creative, my creative output when I'm not, when I'm not on stage improvising. Uh, so in terms of setting out to do stuff like, uh, create a format or write a script, um, these things for me take a, lo- a long time. They gestate in me for a long time. It's basically a coming together of ideas that just um, flow, fly around inside my brain for years until they come out in a cohesive way that I can, I'm like, finally, oh, I know what, I'm, I know what I've been thinking about all this time. It, it's, I, want, I want this. <laughs> but it really does take me a long time. So I never, I never set out to create formats. I just end up with a culmination of like um, views and impulses that come together. And I'm like, oh, I think that would work at, like this. Like this is what I want to see. Um, and so then we end up, someone will say, do you have a format? And I'll be like, oh, we, I've been thinking about this over the last seven years and I'm finally ready to admit it. And so then, yeah, it's always, um, yeah, it's never a, cons- I, yeah, I, I, what I'm saying is I've got no idea, Jace. I'm, I'm, I'm always flying by the seat of my pants and I'm, <laughs> I'm just- no, I get it. It sounds it sounds to me like it's a, it's more about that happy accident thing you were talking about, where you're like, you have this idea for a thing, but you don't really, not really going to do anything with it, and then an opportunity happens to present itself where someone's like, "Quick, we need a show," and you're like, "What if one person's just stuck in the middle?" And they're like, "That's a great idea," and you're like, "Oh, I know, it's a format, it's called," stuff. and then like now you're in it and you're teaching it to people, and you're like, "Holy shit, I got it!" Uh, so like that, you you've had this idea for years, and then it takes that that sort of um, catalyst moment mm. to get you get you into to doing it. I, what that, I lo- that makes perfect sense. It's a yeah. wonderful. Wonderful artistic uh, approach. What I love about Rick's, what Rick said there is oftentimes it may take years to get to that point, but when it gets to that point, it you've got that 
enthusiasm behind it all the time as well like the the same approach that you bring to the stage like it's it's bold it's grounded and your ideas uh, when when they come up for formats or, or other things are always so clear because i think it, you take those time that time for it to to crystallize i think um and i've spoken about this with dave on the podcast before but i've seen as 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 we've gone uh, i think i've even spoken to you about it too rb it's like this this idea as a format as a currency that kind of happens around improv or improv festivals where it's like i've got this and and i'm going to invent this or or um or you just you know hear improvisers riffing for 10 minutes and then they go oh that's a format we should turn that into a format and <laughs> it doesn't seem it seems like the idea in the moment isn't going to sustain the format, but something that's deeply thought about and 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 ruminated that kind of comes through with that clarity mm. is something that you can hang an hour show on. Yeah. Um, and and those 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 thoughts, I think, that take that time to filter through one a bit of experience, to a bit of experimentation, and yes and no in your own brain, rather than everyone just going, let's turn that into a format. Let's turn that into a format right away. And I think they get in their own way and trip over themselves a little bit when they're doing that. This is going to come back and bite you on the ass when we start performing Slap There It Is, and everyone's okay. like, hey, you just you just came up with that on that podcast. You were just riffing, and you decided it was a format, and now you're performing it? Bullshit. Guys, yeah. guys while yeah, we've been talking, like- I registered a domain. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Slap There It Is. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, uh, thing I love about Stuck in the Middle is that it, it all spawns from such a simple rule. Like, it's <laughs> such a simple restriction on the improvisers it's like one person's always in the middle that's it like and then from that comes the rest of like the tech the technique you know like well we want to try and push them in different directions we want to please them we want to challenge them this person they need water like all the rest of the format if you want to call it a format there yeah comes from around and it really does orbit that super simple rule and that's what makes it work so well as a as a form because you say it to someone and they instantly know what it is Mm -hmm. and they can do it Maybe not great, but they can do it right away. And then it's just about getting better at it. Uh, like, and, and how, 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 like one simple rule. And then sometimes, like, maybe one other simple rule, and they come together, and all of a sudden it's like this perfect form, as opposed to coming at it with so many rules and, rest- and things. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, what's the simple thing that fixes this problem of, of yeah. Of, it's also a fun format because in the improv community, we so often have special guests visiting uh, from out of town, you know, coming to your company and, and teaching workshops. So as a format, it's really it's just a really nice one to showcase that guest who's coming to town mm-hmm. for, for a week. You're like, what's a format we can do to really give this person a good time? You're like, oh, do we have the format to showcase yeah. you, my friend? It's so <laughs> funny. So many Armandos, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do we do now? It's so funny, Rick, and I've spoken to you this to you about this before. Is that I'll I'll blow into a town somewhere, and the people will say to me, "Let's do a stuck in the middle," and I'm like, "How did how do you know about that?" Like it's just gotten around the place, I think, and uh, and and you know, people still call it stuck in the middle, and and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the this is the format that that we we did first i'm not sure it's like because we've done it around the place a bit but yeah it comes back as stuck in the middle i've done in italy i've done in germany um uh, and and it gets pitched to me and i'm like what hang on a minute (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's traveled it's traveled around you know i i got a fair few courtesy emails of like ah is it all right if we teach uh if we do this in our 
with our company and i was yeah. like yeah sure um and then it's then it's just once it starts traveling then it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. after a while you, you lose track of it and you're like ah be free be free stuck <laughs> be in the free, middle free. <laughs> just don't tell anyone it was my format <laughs> uh, after you ruin it um, <laughs> yeah i i remember we were we were working on our our uh we did a ray bradbury show the the improvised man Name was borrowed from Unexpected Productions with with permission. <laughs> improvised <laughs> man, improvised Ray Bradbury. So it was a collection of short stories. Was the, the idea we're going to get audience to write titles of stories? We read them out and then we tell the story, and it was going fine. But it wasn't quite like there was just something missing from it. And then we kind of just stumbled upon this rule in a in a practice. We were trying some stuff out where it was like, okay, do a meta narration before you draw the name of where the improvisers are on stage so like you know i don't know if you've read the 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 illustrated man but there's like it kind of jumps between him talking about the tattoos on this guy's back and how these tattoos are moving and then it goes into these stories that are all science fiction stories and so we were like yeah let's try it like a little there's like a framed narrative of the improvisers and so we did it and it was just like instantly like that simple rule before you pick a name you say standing on stage is an improviser with their head facing upwards towards the rafters. Another improviser is crouched in a ball by their feet. And then you would draw the title and you'd read like the Martian war. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd have to take this image and turn it into the Martian war. And that simple rule just fixed everything that we were having trouble with, with this format. Cause it forced us into these really simple postures and relationships with the improvisers on stage combined with these really over the top titles and then you'd find like the martian wars going on and these are like two prisoners of war and they're just waiting to see if they get out and that's the story and it's a perfect bradbury kind of story yeah um and i and i was just saying i love when that happens when you find like this perfect rule that mm. fixes this this, 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 this other and situation. oftentimes those rules are things that make it fit the stage and not try to be something that it's not i'm i'm writing an article at the moment for a magazine where it, it's basically imitation versus uh inspiration um and and trying to copy something outright in, in its form isn't going to work as much as taking that as the improvis as the inspiration and figuring a, a way that you can get the same feeling as you get from from that particular thing onto the stage through the the choices that you make um and it's yeah i just think that a lot of times people try to imitate and they lose that simple rule or lose the ability to look at uh, look at something like that in the way that brings it to the stage and brings it uh, like that one simple rule that one simple thing mm -hmm. that turns it from trying to be something that it's not to trying to be a, a stage a piece of theater on the stage that still gets that feeling across but but isn't just a direct kind of ripoff uh, at mm -hmm. all costs so um yeah it's 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 those simple things that uh, are making those rules that when it hits the stage we all know that that this is the crux of it um and and we're still going to get that feeling across the audience just with all focusing on that one kind of simple rule it's so good it's so nice uh, i see so many people try to overcomplicate things you know <laughs> and it's it's like just just take a breath and mm. calm it down a little um just wait seven years <laughs> let it, just wait let it bubble away it's, let it bubble away yeah don't I rush watched, it a watched idea never get <laughs> to the stage you gotta yeah. let it just sit you know let it, forget about it forget the idea yeah. <laughs>
Uh, if you've got to learn from your mistakes, we all learned from Mermaid on a stage. We learned. Yeah. Uh, you can't rush it. Don't rush well, the formats. I thought that the first time it happened, but the second time a mermaid jumped on stage, I was like, I am cursed. I am cursed. I remember the second time a mermaid jumped on stage for you. I, lo- I lost I my get, shit. I was in the wings. Get and get I away. lost my, my shit. <laughs> I know. People, people now uh, mail me posters of mermaids. Um, <laughs> sometimes just to... Just to, to trigger you. They know about my curse. I can't get away from it. I, I wanted. I wanted to have. I want it to, to happen again, just to prove that it's real. Like I want to do it again and be like, "This is real. This happens every time to me, and it'll happen." Anyway, um, I never see someone's heartbreak more on an actual stage than, than the second time a mermaid popped up. Mer- a mermaid. Oh. Classic case of double mermaid. The scene uh, was going so good. The scene <laughs> was going so good. Why did you bring a mermaid into this? Scene? It didn't. I mean, it. It's. It's. I guess it's a choice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Some schools of improv teach that mermaids are always a good idea. Yeah. That's the. That's the core when tenet of doubt, their of their mythology. There's three things. When in doubt, mermaid on stage. Walk on stage, selling the solution like you're in a baseball stadium and you have, you have you have the solution for sale yeah. or um or kill the other improviser those are our three <laughs> even if there's Not no the sand the characters yeah. anytime there's any sand on a stage sand pit anything mermaid yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you're if you're next level you just come on as a mermaid who's selling something confidently and you kill someone and bang you graduated yeah. Oh, I've got the solution right here for sale. It's a gun. Bang. <laughs> Sploosh. <laughs> that, that was the mermaid escaping. Yeah. It's a good improv. Sploosh. I think it, I think you might have already answered this, I baby. I'm going to ask it anyway. What is it that improv gives you that ke- keeps you coming back time and time and time again? Uh I mean, like I said, it's it it is my happy place. It's the place that makes sense in terms of uh, performing whenever I'm performing, it's and improvising. It it makes sense to me the entire time that I'm doing it, and it feels natural and it feels it feels right. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm forever drawn back to it, be- and I'm always looking for more opportunities to do it because I enjoy it um, so much every time. And I'm, so, but have, I'm not sure if I've ever broken down why it feels right or what's why it's my happy place apart yeah. from the fact that i'm i uh, that it comes fairly naturally to me um and i enjoy the experience um uh so i yeah, probably so should think about it give me seven years well, and i'll it, have an answer uh, you know, it, like is it the like the rush of being like oh just making stuff up and, and finding things is it the like yeah the, i'm trying to the discovery the beauty of like discovering a perfect moment is it the the connection with the audience the connection with your fellow players is it all of it yeah i'm trying to go through the the roll call of standard corporate answers that i give whenever <laughs> we're doing q a about improv um but I, you know i've got to dress it up because jason's heard them all before so um, I, I don't want him to feel like i'm giving standard corporate answers you know <laughs> um but yes, um, improv, it is the connection with the audience um, and and with the other people on stage that is most interesting to me and most enjoyable, I would say, of, of, of all the types of performing. 
because obviously it's a little bit more removed that connection the more scripted it gets the the more filmed it gets like so if you're doing obviously film and television work there's hard there's no connection to the audience it's it's a separate experience for the audience um which is why we end up trying to make the cameraman laugh um which is a yeah. hopeless a hopeless endeavor they've seen it all before and they're not interested <laughs> Um, so yeah, Im- improv has that most alive connection with an audience, um, and and the most uh, satisfying connection with your with your performers because you're all in you're all in it together, um, and that's probably um, what I enjoy most about the art form in terms of performing it, um, and why I keep coming back, and that's why I, maybe that's why I feel at home there because I just crave I crave palpable connections. Mm. Wow, good thing to crave. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm teaching in person. My classes are starting up again next Ooh. week. Actually, by the time people are listening to this, don't I rub our face in it, Dave. I'll be, I'll be back in. A, I'll be in a theater teaching my students again. Like nice. we have a new vaccine passport system here. Where everyone has to show that they're vaccinated mm. in order to take classes. It's a, it's a thing, but uh, but it means that I can teach classes again, which is exciting. But I had to write an email to my masterclass students to like reminder classes coming next week like mm-hmm. and as i was writing it i was like getting weepy because mm-hmm. i was like i get to write this email i'm gonna see these people again. <laughs> we're actually gonna be in a room doing improv together because like we've done some online things over the pandemic but you know we're not it's not it's not the same as like that that saying something and people are there like reacting and, and we're building the story together in the, in the moment with the, with the people watching. Like, I'm, I'm just like, as I was writing it, I was like, oh, when we're all going to be, it's going to be weird for all of us. We haven't <laughs> seen each other. And all the, and all the things with all the feelings were rushing back in. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's. And what you just said is that same thing. That's that, that connection there that, uh, that you can't get, even on Zoom improv, it, you don't really get that connection. So. Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's it's definitely different um, on mm-hmm. Zoom. Um, I was I was always happy to do a bit of Zoom improv, but I never like craved it. I never sought it out. You know, mm-hmm. if I got invited to something, I was like, sure, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But yeah, I was never like, what what Zoom format can I think of? What what where can I go to do some Zoom? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's one of those things where it's. I, I was lucky enough to do a bunch of Dave Zooms, and Dave's figured out a good Zoom format. So, so I was like, "Well, oh, that's it. Like, I don't need to come up with yeah. anything." I was happy to do. And do just those. to make Rick happy, I as soon as the pandemic hit in February, mm-hmm. I thought of this idea, and didn't do it until December. I sat <laughs> on it for nine months, just thinking about it. Well, it's a little like, rushed, yeah. but. Is it gonna work? Yeah, it was a little rushed. I should have waited another year, but you know, I, I wait. I, but again, I sat on it and let the idea percolate until finally it was ready. And then we did the shows, and it was great. Yeah, yeah it was good fun. Yeah. Until they find the technology that I can tangibly slap someone through Zoom, there's no way we can get my formats up and running. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is stuck? We got stuck in the middle technology. of the, stuck on the style. screen. Stuck on a screen that doesn't have the same ring to it. Stuck on a screen. Yes, camera stuck on. It doesn't quite work. Guys, I just ordered uh, 100 uh, slapping hands uh, for our mm. audience to mm. encourage See? the slap. When they feel like there should be a slap, they, they get to get that slapping sound. Ah. What web uh, domain did you get? Did you get slap? slap what's, what's slap it called? Prof. Slap, slapprov.com. Slapprov.com. I got slapprov.ca so that we can, you know, I can inform. Nice. Nice. That's the Canadian domain for people. <laughs> oh, 
Maybe we could call the format slapstick and um oh, and God damn it. Oh, uh, brilliant. Just How registered. Did we not think of this? <laughs> but you uh if you want the scene to keep going, you you stick with it. And if you want the scene to end, you slap the person and yeah. you have to start a new scene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. This is ready to go. This is ready to go. <laughs> Guys, slap slapstick.com is tight. I just want to say uh, now, uh, now that I've seen how slapstick came together, I see why you sit on it for seven years. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's, it's not is, quite ready, Rick. It's not quite ready. Dave, Dave, this is day one. This is day one of the process. And we're already we're already making changes. Imagine seven years from now when I'm finally ready. Yeah. Seven years from now, it's gonna be like you know, it's essentially it's essentially just a herald. <laughs> we call I it slapstick. I slap you Here's with my, my stick. I slap you with it. I metaphorically slap you with my offer. <laughs> <laughs> so right, in, in true David Lynch style, seven years from now, let's do this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great idea. Uh, look, I'm going to put it in my calendar. Let's we are at that. the point of our life where seven years is an achievable. We're like, um, Seven years, that doesn't seem so long anymore. You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, book it in. <laughs> seven years, yeah, but we're also getting to that point in our life where it's like oh, yeah. seven years, like, I might not be here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it can only make the format more intense. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. Well, are we, have we been going for like an hour? Yeah, we've gone for an hour, so we should probably get I feel to like that. I haven't even. A trademark get, final question, like, or do you have we're something just else to ask? Started here. I feel like we just got started. I haven't even asked all the. I have like seven other questions. Oh, do them, Dan. Do them. No, been, it's okay. Most of them are about Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I wasted all our time glibly skating over the surface and not giving you any yeah. true answers. Yeah, most of my questions are like. Who did the choreography? Was it like <laughs> my daughter? Were other people doing the same choreography? Was it like oh, part yeah. of a, a system? Like everyone did the same song with the same dance? Yeah, no, we were just copying. Were you actually popular within the TikTok community, or was it only me on Instagram that was your only fan? <laughs> uh, we got a little bit of traction along the way, a little bit of traction uh, in certain pockets of TikTok. Yeah, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing what? to talk, nothing what? to write home about. And what uh, advice can you give other fathers about how to actually maintain a positive relationship with your child? Can't force it. You can't force it. You got to wait. It'll it'll spring up or it won't. Uh, it's happenstance. Happy accidents. That's. But I, t- I tell you what. Dave, last question. From what last I know. Question. <laughs> yeah. From what I know, Dave, that's not something you need to worry about. Keep going. <laughs> uh, and uh, the last question is: Did it? organically happened that you, she was doing these dances and then you were at home in lockdown you saw her doing them you're like oh, i'll do them with you sure and then you just started doing them with her or was it like a total plan like dad the only way we're going to get traction on tiktok is if it's a parent and child it's a thing moms and dads do it all moms and kids we're gonna do it dads and kids okay you and dad and was it like planned from the beginning or did it just happen uh probably somewhere in the in the middle um i don't she might have had a nefarious plan to get some TikTok traction, but she definitely didn't pitch it to me like that. Uh, she, I was just uh, a puppet um, mm. being choreographed to her, whatever devices she, uh, she, you know, whatever her outcome, her desired outcome was, I wasn't privy to it. Um, it was definitely, it seemed more like, oh, hey, Dad, do you, do you want to do this dance with me this one time? And then it snowballed from there. But. I'm not saying she didn't plan world domination secretly <laughs> in her heart. Well, dominated this old improviser's heart right here. <laughs>
Uh, what is your t- uh, I didn't TikTok actually... name for those uh, who are on TikTok? Our bait, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I didn't actually have those questions written down. I was just surprised. That was all the right there. Off the cuff, baby. And prof. You could tell because I wasn't going um and ah. I was yeah, 100% uh. sure of what I was saying because I was making it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so so if- let's get to our, our trademark last question. Hashtag last question. Uh, <laughs> feel free to tweet us uh, at that <laughs> hashtag last question. Um, Twelve to fifteen year olds are not on Twitter, mate. They yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's right. Feel free to hashtag that on Insta. <laughs> yeah. Snap yeah. us. You can Snapchat us at <laughs> last question on Snapchat. Is Snapchat too old too now? Okay. Um, the last question we always ask people is about improv and the rest of the world and like if you were to be able to give people some sort of improv power that we improvisers have that normal people don't have muggles we can call them Mm -hmm. that they don't have what's the what's the thing you would wish they all had what ability do improvisers have that everyone would do better with Hmm. that's a that's a curly one gonna get a lot of ums and ahs in this one um, no, let me glibly scat over the surface. If I was an improviser, which I am, Dave, and I'm sure you'll agree, we all are in one form or another. Uh, see, the words just come. But uh, dodge, now I'm going to actually dodge those bullets. You're like Neo. There. <laughs> uh, that's a, it's a deep cut reference, by the way, for all the young kids out there. Well, the Neo new movie the coming Matrix, out. I just the saw the, the preview for the new movie that's coming out. It's yeah. real good. It's back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was a 20, 21 year old movie. It it only has to be better than the second two movies, and uh, you know somewhere in the ballpark of the first one, and it's already winning. Yeah, uh, and that's a wide range. Um, but look, I think my mantra when it, whenever I'm improvising is um, I'm here to help. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just happy. I'm here, happy to be here, and I'm here to help. Um, so that's how I approach most of my improv. Is I'm here to help the other improvisers have a good time. I'm here to help the audience have a good time in whatever with whatever tools I've got at my disposal. That's how I approach um, p- performing improv, and that's where I, when I get the most out- positive outcomes is when that's working at a high level. Um, so I think if people were just approaching life with a with a I'm here to help attitude, that couldn't be a bad thing. Because I also find when that spills out into my normal life, whenever I'm uh, approaching life with a I'm here to help attitude, I'm having that's when I'm having the best days. Whenever I'm going through life here to help in whatever way I can. Uh, whoever I can, uh, that's that's a good that's a good way to to go through life. And so I'd say, every, anyone out there, get that mantra, lock it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever you turn up anywhere, just be there to help in in some way or it's, another. It's a beautiful thing to think about. That's an huh? incredible, insightful way to look at life. <laughs> so like we're all here to, to help. It. We're all here to help. Yeah. help. Everyone helps everybody. Everyone people help you, and everyone's getting help. It's great. It's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well, that's beautiful, and explains where a lot of your ideas come from <laughs> for formats. That's like mm-hmm. back in the middle. We're all here to help this one person. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it does make sense. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, he stumbled upon the truth at <laughs> Hashtag naked belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks so much uh, for coming on the podcast, Rick. It's been really lovely talking with you. I miss you, man. I miss you. Uh, I miss you too. It's so good. I'm so I'm so happy that you get to go into teach real, real people real things. Oof, it's exciting. We I can only dream swimming. of such such a day. I was at a swimming pool today. 
like in the pool not what for swimming lessons yeah wow. was, you mean, went in on what Saturday. i call virus soup <laughs> i know i was in virus soup and i i don't think i got covid <laughs> and on saturday i was in a group of 45 people running around on a soccer field playing soccer because nice. i'm coaching i'm coaching milo's soccer team so i had to learn how to play soccer you're, well, you're the re- you're real life Sorry. ted lesser i guess I guess I should call it football. Football, yeah. football. Yeah. First thing um, you should first thing you should learn football. as coach is how many people are on a team because that is too many know. players. That's too I many. Know. I think they play. I think they play three versus three. It's a little kid. <laughs> but I was like, when I was told I was willing to coach, I'd be like, I'm willing to coach. Like I get kids. I've taught kids before. Yeah. I'm mm. good at teaching and coaching things, but I don't sport very well. Like I uh-huh. don't know anything about sports. If a kid asks me a question about offsides, I'm like, I'm out. I got nothing to do. Just hustle, hustle. Good hustle out there. Get the ball. Good hustle. That's all I got. I, but positivity I have in spades. And then they sent me back and they was like, oh, that sounds great. It's mostly about positivity at this age. Like, Sweet, I'm in. So, but I Sounds like, you, were, like you approached that with a I'm here to help attitude. And I, I approve. Yeah. But I did stumble into parent boot camp, which was funny. I showed up thinking it was just like, we're going to stand around and talk about coaching. Mm. And then it was like, oh, no, we're playing soccer. Uh. Like, <laughs> good. I was just lucky I wore shorts. Like, it was just a ha- happened to. There was another guy wearing like boots and jeans. And I was like, Phew, he, didn't, he wasn't ready either. But like, <laughs> but not him. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I it's it's a weird world being being back in it, kind of, and still not like I'm trying not to, but I keep getting into things. Uh, we had a we had a delicious four months where we were back in it. We managed to get a comedy festival in, and uh, now we're, we're it's still a few months off for us yet. That kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. How how wide reaching do you think the Ted Lasso effect will be uh, moving forward? How many sports teams are just going to be? Positive thinking outside the box in belief. terms of who can who can coach mm. now like mm. um i mean positivity yeah but they're like yeah. we don't we don't need a we don't need a, a netball coach to coach our netball team we could get a we could get a chess coach let's yeah. get let's get a coach from a different code to come in an and, improv coach yeah yeah i uh, i don't think it's gonna happen but i have a question what's netball uh oh um i would have thought you canadians you, normally you're on these things if it's a I feel like if it's big in the Commonwealth, Canadians at least have a, a base knowledge. Um, no, no, netball. Canada uh, must be the only Commonwealth country that didn't get on board. I think they even play it in the Commonwealth Games, don't they? What's what's netball? Is it? It's is like it basketball, except uh, slightly different. Is it lacrosse? We call it lacrosse. No, maybe? no, it's, no, like no, it's, it's more like stick. basketball. It's more like basketball. There's no, the players don't have any uh, accoutrement, uh, but they also can't run with the ball. Basketball, you can run and bounce the ball. Yeah, In yeah, netball, yeah. once you get the ball, you have to stop dead yeah. in your tracks and pass it to someone else. Mm. Pass it to someone else. And uh, well, you and- know what? Okay, and the basket, I, I played it. I played it in high school because yeah. it's safer than basketball. Yeah, and the basket doesn't have um doesn't backboard. have a backboard. Yeah. it's just a freestanding net on a pole. Like it's it's as high as a basketball net, but there's no backboard. So you've got a you've got a you've got a nothing but net it every time. Swish every time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's netball. That's great. Yeah. I, that's and all the pl- all, all the players have specific areas that they're only allowed. That you, Certain Five. players can only yeah. be in certain parts of the court, so you can't full court mm. press and all that stuff. So yeah. it sounds it, like a sport created by PE teachers who are yeah. like, this will <laughs> keep the kids from hitting each other, mm. and like they'll <laughs> run but not too much, they'll stay in their zones. And yeah. now, some 
countries have taken it to an elite level. Uh, they they took it more seriously. They went, we could play this. Uh, you know, we we could make this a, rep- a country representative sport. And yeah. other countries went, that's bullshit. We are not playing that. <laughs> Let's just play sport. basketball. Yeah. Uh, wow, and well, there there is a inordinate amount of knee blowouts in um in because they they run real fast and then as soon as they get the ball they have to stop so there's a lot of knee injuries uh, and ankle injuries in netball oh man that's hilarious that's why we don't trust pe teachers to invent sports they just don't think of the the knee trauma yeah they came up with that one and the other one was dodgeball great idea they're like here kids just throw these at each other i'm tired of this stupid middle school that's uh another one uh anyway before we, we we i think we just created a new podcast by the way called the uh called the oops we're talking about sports <laughs> oops we're talking about sports uh, <laughs> three, three guys that don't really play sports a <laughs> couple of them watch sports one of them has heard of them and uh we're gonna, we're gonna knock it out of the park yeah, a couple of them watch it and the other one accidentally coaches it yeah, yeah a three-point touchdown knock it right out of the ring <laughs> Okay, thanks so much, Rick and uh, Jace. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks, Abe. No worries. Bye.